Welcome to Traveled, where we take a journey to a specific region so you discover what makes this part of the world so unique. Before we get rolling with our guest this week, I wanted to share the love with our traveled sponsor. This podcast is powered by Swing Outdoors, the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, and Yellowstone Teton Territory. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash Teton to connect with the great brands that make up this amazing region of the country. Today on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, we've got John Stenerson who takes us into Clackacraft Boats and Idaho Falls. John has been fly fishing and uh, in the boat game for quite a while. He's worked at fly shops. He's uh, done just about everything. He's going to share a little bit of insight on his history and talk about what has made Clackacraft such a great boat. Today, John's going to give us his three takeaways on why you might want to think about getting a boat this year. Uh, John's three big takeaways. Plus, we get a little bonus tip where John talks about uh, if you're having issues, maybe you're like me, getting a little bit older and those tiny flies are not so easy to tie on anymore. John's got a nice tip that you don't want to miss today. Uh, stay tuned. One of the biggest drift boat brands in the world and the guy behind the daily operations. Here we go. John Stenerson from Clackacraft.com. How you doing, John? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, doing this today. I think uh, this has been, you know, a, a long time coming. Clackercraft is one of those boats out there that I think you guys are definitely leading the way on a lot of things. There's lots of drift boats now. We've been doing episodes all around the country. You know, there's some boats even on the east side of the country now. But um, I want to talk about all, I want to talk Clackercraft. I want to go deep into drift boats, Clackercraft, but also I want to find out about your background. So take it to fly fishing first. How did you first get into fly fishing? Kind of what's your first memory? Um, so I was pretty lucky to have a, a dad who was into fly fishing when I was a young kid, grew up in central Idaho and salmon, Idaho. And so he was into fly fishing and fishing in general. So he taught me and took me. And then as I progressed, I, I was able to go to work in fly shops, uh, you know, been in that started in a fly shop in the late eighties and then kind of worked through, uh, the shop in Idaho Falls, Jimmy's here in Idaho Falls for 10 years. And then, you know, ended up in Clackercraft. So pretty lucky to be have a dad that got me into fishing and then pretty lucky to have a wife and a, you know and family that likes to go fishing and support me that way so yeah right so you've been doing this uh for quite a long time and and jimmy's has come up a number of times because we've done some episodes we were up there fishing this year and i think he just uh sold the shop so that, that was one of the big shops what was it like talk about jimmy's i haven't had him on yet i'm hoping to do it uh describe that shop a little bit you're there for 10 years how would you describe that to somebody uh, I worked with his dad, Jim Sr. and Jimmy. Uh, it was great. They were both mentors to me. They taught me a lot. Uh, the shop was, you know, it's interesting transitioning from shops to when I went to work there to where we're at now. I mean, they're busier compared to back then. Uh, so it was, it's, it's, it's a great shop. It's a fly tying central shop. If you like to tie flies, it was, it was great. And then like really having Jimmy and Jim Sr. to mentor me on fishing and teaching me that next level, I guess would be the step because I've fished a lot, but we, you know, getting, having him. And then I actually had like one other guy, Tim at Frontier Anglers, uh, Tim Tallett was another one that was a good mentor. So I had those guys to get me going and, it, you know, I was lucky, lucky to have them. They were uh, there and Jimmy's wonderful. He was over to dinner last night with us. He's a best friend. Uh, nice. we spent, we hunt, we hunt every week, try to hunt together, oh, wow, cool. do everything. So we're always, yeah, doing something. So. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah, it sounds like that was a pretty awesome. And now as Jimmy, I've asked this question from a couple other people. Is he still around? Is he going to be in the shop or is he pretty much out of it? 
Jimmy's out of it. He's, uh, he's, I think he told me that he spent eight days in his bed in November. <laughs> yeah. So he was either fishing or hunting somewhere. The other dose of those other days. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it's great. So. Yeah. And the shop is in uh, Idaho falls, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, it's a new shop by the guys out of, uh, Utah. Uh, yeah. Fly fly fish food. Food. They're, they're doing a good job with it. They've got a couple of good kids in there running it. So yeah. Yep. So good. So, and then you're in, are you in uh, Rexburg or Idaho Falls? We're in Idaho Falls. So yeah, we are on, would be on the east side uh, on your way out towards the South Fork and the Henry's Fork. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, uh, and so Clackacraft is, you know, I think going to be kind of a main topic here today. It's, um, you know, it's one of those boats that is all over the place, seems like. Um, and uh, who is the, talk about the, the current owner, I think, is the current owner also the founder of the company? Yeah, Bruce Bells was the gentleman, that, uh, my boss, who founded the company. Um, 1975, I think, was when he started building boats. And then he's, and then um, kind of did it on his own. They would take these loads. It's funny, you'd see pictures of them with a bunch of boats, and they'd head to like George Anderson's in the Yellowstone, and they'd stay there for a few days and sell boats there. Then they would, they did a few things like that. They created a little small dealer networks, and then basically in like 98 or 99 they decided to kind of go more bigger big time i guess and they came to idaho falls and set up shop here and then we've been here ever since and i went to work for clackacraft in the january 2nd of 2005 so okay yeah so that was the thing so now is clackacraft there they have the you know obviously out in the clackamas area but are they um is that the only other shop in idaho falls or do do they do this in other areas no, so we are the national sales office. We handle everything other than basically California, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. So we handle all the sales out of here. Uh, and we do help in those other states, but uh, we do it all out of here. The boats are built in our Oregon facility. They bring them to us 15 at a time, and then we distribute them out. To oh, all gotcha. Over. So, yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense. And that's why Idaho Falls, uh, the more you get closer to the inland of in the U.S., the better it is to kind of distribute the boats, right? Instead of sending them yeah. out from Oregon, it's, it'd take longer or whatever. Yeah, and then just for like, you know, population base as far as trout fishing, you know, we're in the mecca of it here. So um, people come from Wyoming, Colorado, uh, uh, Montana, Idaho, obviously, to pick up boats here. Uh, you know, there'll be weeks where we'll have 20 to 25 boats going out, and they're all just within driving distance. Oh, right. Yeah, gotcha. And so, like, you know, obviously you're in this mecca for fishing, fly fishing, especially where you're at. What is the distribution of, you know, I always think about this because I know we have lots of conventional people in our listener, you know, audience as well. But what do you think is the breakdown between out of all boats on Clack, you know, Clacka sells, you know, conventional fishing versus fly fishing? I'd probably say 70% is fly fishing is our market. Um, could be more, could be less, but I would say 70% of it is the fly fishing side of it. Maybe eighty percent, but yeah, it's seventy. I would say for sure seventy percent. Yeah. yeah. So, and then is that has that evolved over time? Like, if you go back thirty years, was that when you went to Idaho? When that happened in Idaho Falls, did that change the game a little bit on the fly? The boats have really, you know, drift boats have progressed a long ways, and so I would say yes, probably just having more drift boats available is probably made it so it's become more of the fly fishing, and then obviously uh, guides are a huge, uh, huge purchaser of our boats and so and you know as those businesses have grown on our business has grown with them so. oh right that's right yeah because you have the just people out there yeah personal people buying boats but the guides are huge and, and yeah. we've asked a lot of guides that like what boat do you use and clacka comes up quite a bit yeah 
Yeah. That's right. Nice. So, and then on the boats, and I haven't, um, I mean, I've been in a class of craft. I, I, in fact, I rode um, on a recent trip, I rode a hide for the first time and I hadn't been in a, you know, that boat. And I think there's probably some similarities between the two boats. But um, what is, you know, between like right now, the boat save versus when you started in, in when, whenever that was, 2004, have they changed a lot in 20 years? Um, the, the, you know, we've had to change far as like, uh, gel coats and things like that, just because of the EPAs and stuff, you know, uh, like that. But, um, design wise, not a lot. We still have the, uh, you know, we came out with the Gulfstream bottom, the tunnel hall, that stuff's still available. What we've done is increased like rod storage. You make the, the interior of the boat a much user-friendly guide-friendly Per, you know, so that when you're in the boat, it's, you know, everything's laid out so that thought out, like I can put three rods on one side, three rods on the other side. When I first started, we had one rod, you know, and so, and it was fine, but you know, now everybody's got a streamer rod and a dry rod and an inf rod. And so, so we've really had to adapt our boats to meet those needs. Uh, and they have, and then the biggest thing for us has always been rowability and, and durability. And so, and that's kind of where we've always stood out. So making sure that our boats handle well and are durable and durable. And that's always the, the a question that comes up a lot between the boats. Cause you have, you know, the main boats, right. You, aluminum, you know, wood, I guess you could throw in there and they even yeah. plastic and fiberglass. Yeah. And out of those, you're, and you're saying fiberglass are pretty durable. Do they, you know, um, would you say they're the most durable or how does that compare? Um, I would say that the, um, that's a hard question. But because I always tell people when they ask about clackacrafts, like I say, if you hit a, a rock hard enough to poke a hole through a clackacraft, you're going to poke a hole through an aluminum boat, a wood boat, any of those. Um, so the beauty of, of a fiberglass boat is if you do damage it, you can clean them up pretty quick. Um, I've been here a long time with this company, and we offer a lifetime warranty on those boats, and I see maybe one or two a year in all of the years that I've been here that are truly a warranty issue where someone's hit a rock and poked a hole through it. Oh, wow. So it's just a, just yeah. a couple and that's, that's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're these, you know, they guides run them down a river and beat them up and, and you know, they, they durable that way. So that's right. That's right. And what is the, and I know about, I've heard about the, the, the Gulf stream and, and tunnel. Talk about those features a little bit. What, what is that? What does that do for the boat? Um, so basically the, the thought processes when we were designing and doing all that was, you know, golf balls, um, sailboats all have the dimpling on the bottoms to help increase, reduce drag and flight. And so the idea is, uh, like if you're on the South Fork, for example, we have a lot of mixing heavy currents and the idea is instead of it forcing the boat to one way or the other, it goes underneath the boat and disperses. And so you have oh, a little yeah. more lift and a little more you know, and so we have the tunnel hall, which forces the water to the middle of the boat. And then with those dimples, um, and there's obviously everybody has different philosophies on how it works, um, and how that works, but it does, you know, for us, it's something that we've surprisingly, we don't talk a lot about anymore. We used to talk about it a lot uh, has a difference in boats and difference in manufacturers. But I think over time people have figured it out that it's, you know, it, it helps, uh, helps with definitely, especially on, big heavy rivers smaller rivers you probably wouldn't notice it much but um on like the south fork or some bigger the missouri oh, gotcha. some of the bigger waters the yellowstone yeah. where you got bigger stuff so right it makes a difference nice and i've seen some of the photos of your boats out there around i mean 
Where are you guys? Uh, I've even seen like, there's one photo you guys have out there of a boat going through the the breakers. I think on the ocean. Um, have you seen these boats? I mean, how far are these being distributed? I know they're all across the U.S. pretty much, but do you guys send these out other places? Yeah. If yes, we send them. Uh, we've sent them to Argentina. We've sent them to Chile, uh, Mongolia. They. If you guys go look at them, they have two sections where they run a section, and it's all through drift boats with us. Then uh, Mark Johnstad's is the guy that I've always dealt with. And um, I think over the years, we've probably sent eight to 10 boats with him, that, with them over to there on that. So, um, and then um, obviously Canada, uh, yeah. we sent a lot up there and a lot of pro staff guys out of Calgary that run our boats. Oh, Calgary, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, you know, um, and Alaska, we've got a few up there, but our big, our big market for us is Montana, Wyoming, uh, Utah, and then surprisingly Tennessee in that area, the tailwaters. We send a, you know, probably three to four boats a month back there. So. Oh yeah, in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Michigan too. In Michigan. Yeah, because uh, uh, Mike Schultz, you know Schultz, he, he's he runs uh, stuff and he does a really good job of promoting our our stuff there. So. Oh yeah, he does. That's great. No, and and Schultz is. Uh, we're doing a little event with Mike, um, uh, smallmouth bass, uh, clinic here this year. So it's going to be fun to do that. I think, I think sometime, uh, we're, we're checking on that right now. So yeah, we'll probably be in one of your boats. That, that'll be the cool yeah. thing is that out there, I'll yeah. be able to actually finally get a chance to spend a good few days in the boat. Yeah. They fish out of the skiffs out there and they, they, they love them. So yeah, the skiff. So there you go. Yeah. So, so the skiffs, now we go back to the, you know, the skiff because I'm more of a traditional style. I'm not, you know, but I, I fished the skiff for the first time and I was blown away and I know your skiff is similar in size, but that's the great thing is that there's just those skiffs are made for, I mean, what is the skiff made for? It's, it's made for like dealing with wind, right? That's one that, what are the big features of a skiff that you guys can versus say the conventional high sided pointy boat? So the reason for our skiff and we built the skiff was to have something that was be for like a class one piece of water which I, we could get into a whole thing about classifications of water, but a class one, something low profile, something that rode, it's by far a best rowing boat, but it's not by far our most versatile boat. So meaning you, you, you know, it's great on certain pieces of water, but you don't want to use it everywhere. Uh, right. That type like of heavy white water. Yeah, exactly. I love the skiff. It's what I fish out of. Um, I have a deck for still water so I can get up on top and sight fish all the way to where I fish it, you know, on the Henry's Fork and the Beaverhead and Big Hole and all those types of rivers. So Right. So so the skiff is yeah, more functional. It it allows you to get in and out of the boat really good. I mean fishing yes. two guys in the boat, it's perfect. It's comfortable, but um it doesn't have the yeah, you can't take it through what? Like class four? Like how do you know what you can take uh, it down? So we basically rank them like on all classifications. So um, like our skiffs would be a class one, class two possible. And then like our, our low profiles would be class two, class three. And then our standard sides would be what we call, you know, class three, class four. And so luckily we can, we've all worked in here and the salesmen at work here have all been here enough that they understand different rivers and different needs. And so for, you know, like if we have a beginner buying a boat versus somebody who's had a lot of boats, we could steer them towards the boat that's going to fish the river they're on and you know the rule of thumb for us is to always buy the boat that you're going to spend 90 percent of your time on and you can always make that boat work other places for those 10 times or 10 percent of the year you go someplace else that's kind of and that's a, that's a good rule of thumb even if you're purchasing a boat you really need to think about that is okay where do i spend 
90% of my time. And I can, so if I'm on the Henry's fork 90% of the time, well, I can wait until the flows drop on the South fork to use it, or I can wait till the flows drop on the Yellowstone to use it and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And, and the, the deck. So talk about that a little bit. You, uh, we're, we're also trying to get some still water trips going out probably in your neck of the woods. Well, what is that? Is that something that you can order custom or do you guys do that regularly? No, it's just one we had built a good friend of mine and uh, he works for Hart Montgomery, Travis Morris. Uh, he designs them and he built me one and we, we use it like up at Georgetown Lake when you're out inside fishing and stuff. So it's, uh, we haven't really designed or gotten much into that stuff. Um, partly because we're usually so busy with all the other things we got going on. We just haven't had time to, to explore all those options. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's something maybe in the future, if, if you got more popular, it seems like still waters are maybe getting more popular around. Do you, do you see that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I that's probably me. For me, I love still water fishing over anything, and so I spend more time trying to do that. But uh, I think it's interesting because being in this a long time, there was a huge, you know, the uh, belly boats. Then we went to pontoon boats, and now I hardly see a lot. I don't see many any of those on waters anymore, and I hardly see like the much time as I spend on still waters. I don't see as many anglers as I used to see. Oh, so there's less anglers out there, but more in boats and drift boats. I think so. Yeah, more more in rafts and boats and that. Kind oh, of and stuff. rafts. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. No, I know it's interesting. I haven't done as much stillwater fishing as of late, but yeah, I remember that it was a lot of singles, the boats, the pontoon boats out there, and then. But I had a friend that uh, Gene, who definitely we the drift boat was a thing we always fished out of in the lakes, and he's kind of probably the first one that I did a lot of that. Um, but again, that was out of a conventional boat. So I can imagine out of a skiff. Now, what is the boat? Is that, is the skiff a good lake boat? Is that a real good lake boat to use? It's a, it's perfect for, if you're obviously, you know, when the wind comes up, we're in a drift boat, so you're not going to be out in the big white caps. Uh, so you have to pay attention to that kind of stuff, but it's perfect for what I like to do, which is uh, fishing like Clark Canyon, Georgetown, uh, some of those pieces of water so down South Chesterfield, Treasureton some of them. So, and it's perfect for those because you're, they're not big pieces of water and you're usually fishing weed beds and edges anyways. You're not out in the middle. So. Yeah, that's right. And on your boat, is that something, you know, putting it in, can you drag that around, pick it up pretty easy, get it in? Like if you, if there wasn't a boat ramp, is that a doable thing? Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not the lightest, but once they're off the trailer, you can slide them. Um, you know, everybody's boats are all going to be in the same weight class. So it's pushing them around. It's going to be the same. So it does, it's always, we, you know, we always, we always have laughed, be like, you're, we'll be at a show and someone will come and lift up the tongue or do something like that. Man, that thing's a heavy boat. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you're not lifting it. You're rowing it. So. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're not, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not dragging it. You're not carrying it around for the most part. I mean, usually there yeah. are boat ramps where you're fishing on most of your places. Most of everything, even the stuff like where I have to slide it off and in, it's not hard. It's the skiff, you you know, is, is not that hard to do. I've done it so much, you, you know, you know, ins and outs and that kind of stuff and drag ropes. You can drag them. We've drug them a long ways up banks and stuff to get them in and out. So, Oh yeah. 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 That's awesome. And and then your story with, uh, you know, running into clack talk about that. How did that, was that just, you were in the fly shop in Jimmy's and then you knew somebody there that was talking about it. How, how did that come to be? Yeah. Uh, so when I was at Jimmy's, um, uh, a gentleman, my name is John Lent, was running Clackcraft or running the Idaho operations in Clackcraft, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to come out and come to work. And it was kind of for me, Jimmy's was incredible. But starting a family, 
um, this was more of a nine or you know an eight to five job with uh, weekends off and coaching because I coached my son through baseball, hockey, and football, and you name it. And I was always one of the helping coaches or in the coaching. And until he graduated in high school, I was always coaching, and so it allowed me to come to work and work here and then, you know, have weekends off or get out in the afternoons. Like I could come in and leave at four o'clock and go coach a practice. Uh, and the Jimmy's was good, but it just was more of, I needed to be there on Saturdays cause that's, you know, a busy day, busy day. And so it worked out. It's been a good move for me. Uh, been a good move for our family. We've been able to meet a lot of really cool people through the business and go fishing in different places. And, uh, you know, it's just, and like my son loves it. My wife loves to go in a boat. So it works. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And do you talk to, uh, Bruce, uh, quite a bit? Is that kind of a daily, weekly thing checking in with him? Bruce and I talk pretty much every other day, if not every day, uh, just real quickly. Sometimes it's just how about the weather. Sometimes it's just about, uh, you know, vacations, fishing, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you know, things like that. So. Yeah. How would you describe uh, Bruce uh, to somebody that hasn't met him before? He's, he's he's a little bit older than you, I think, right? Yeah. Bruce is in the 70s. Uh, I'm 50s, mid, I'm 53. So sometimes it's funny just because like he'll be, he brings, he still drives the loads from Oregon to Idaho. Oh, he does. That's pretty much awesome. Every so time. he doesn't want, he can't let it, he can't let it go. Yeah. And he's, a, he's, a, and he works, he loves, he works, he always is at work. He'll, um, uh, and he's a, he's really, really kind. And so, but the, like, you know, you'd run into him hauling the load and he's like, oh yeah, just call over there. He, he, he's very, I don't know. He doesn't like to have like the, I don't know, honor. I don't know how to say oh, the, yeah. the correct. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not about the fame and fortune. Of, yeah. Like know. he's, he's created this amazing, yeah. yeah, he's created this amazing company, but he probably won't ever tell you how amazing it is that he, what he's done. Exactly. Yeah. He, and he's humble. There's the word I'm yeah, looking for. Humble. He's very humble and very, uh, super kind. He's a great guy and, you know, he runs a good business, has a great product. He does really well. And, and like I said, and I've been with him for 20 years and we've had some great fishing trips and some, you know, great laughs and it's, I'm lucky. I have a, I have a really good job and I get to work for a good, uh, you know, good company and a, and a, a good product and like a good boss. So. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really amazing. So that's, that's good. So, so, uh, Bruce has run the show and he's still, you know, going strong. Um, and then, uh, you know, what is that? So who else is in the, the company? I mean, you guys have, I guess, people building the boats and stuff like that, but are you the only person in Idaho Falls running the show there? No. So we have basically the two sales facilities. We have the Oregon, which Jake, Jake Greg runs, and then, uh, and he's got a couple of salesmen that work there and, and then a crew that like uh, puts boats. We have a uh, Roger, his uh, Giles is his name. He's been with the company forever. He builds all the boats, puts everything together. And then in Idaho, we have, uh, there's myself and Matt Kelly. He's, and then a couple of salesmen, uh, Nick Johnston and Travis Toller. And then we have, uh, uh, our a repair guy who's been with us for like 20 some years, over 20 years. And then we have, a basically a, a do all fix all guy that can do anything and anything that you need done. Like he can, and he does that and he's been with us for a long time too. And he can like problem solve boats, you name it, he can fix it. And, uh, it does like all of the prep work, small fiberglass work. It's, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and his name's John Schinkel and he does a, he's a, he does a great job for us. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Okay. So, so that's the crew. And then have you guys, I mean, as far as, you know, looking at East versus West, how many boats are going out kind of East? Are you sending out more and more every year or is that kind of a growing market? It has like the Tennessee market. Uh, obviously the Delaware is a big market for us, Michigan and uh, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, yeah, all those tailwaters are becoming more and more fishing. And so, you know, I would say we probably send 50 to a hundred boats. It's hard to say, you know, an exact number, but we send a lot of boats out there. There's times we're sending three a week and sometimes like, you know, we don't send any, obviously this time of year slows way down, but it always picks up, you know, starting in uh, January, February, we'll start shipping a bunch of boats again. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and Bruce, and you mentioned at the start, but so, you know, this, it's, uh, has it been 50 years now, almost, I think pretty close to 50 years this company has been going. Yeah, seventy five. So. Right? Seventy five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so next year might be the uh, the fifty or in a year or two the fiftieth anniversary. So, if you go back to seventy five, so what was Bruce? Do you know his background? Uh, you mentioned boat building the bigger boats, but what was his? You know, because I guess drift boat getting the design and stuff right on seems like um, we've had it. We had somebody on that talked about the history of drift boats, like back to the Mackenzie yeah. and Rogue style. What yep. um, do you know a little bit of that history with Bruce? Yeah, Bruce's family, they had a trolley business where they built the big trawlers, you know, that would do the ocean stuff. And from there, he kind of created the side business of Clackacraft and started building drift boats. And pretty much they were one off, so to speak. He would build them basic, you know, the basic haul that you could do in different carriers. And so we'll see, it's crazy, we'll still see boats that are like 1979 show up on the lot and, uh, you know, he, like I said, they were all standard sides and, and he, he literally was doing the work and building them and doing it all and then loading them up and driving them and taking them places. So, oh, wow. And so, yeah, that's right. The So this is the original, what was the, uh, the fur back in the seventies? Would that be just the normal high sided? Um, you didn't have like the big Eddie and stuff like that. What was the first boat? So basically the first boat would have, would have, they called it the pro or the guide series or something like that. And it was just a standard sided bench boat. You could do either a bench rowing section and a bench up front. And then eventually they started going, you know, into the early nineties when the trout fishing started picking up in that market. And then they went to what we call our weight forward, which is the single pedestal box up front. And then from there, they, in the late nineties, they started building the low profiles and so then we came out with like the 16, 15 foot low profile. And then we came out with a 16 foot low profile. Uh, and then in like 2012 or 2010 or 12, we came out with the Eddie, which was a combination of our headhunter skiff, which we brought out in 2006. So a combination of those. And then we brought the big Eddie out a few years ago because the Eddie is by far a number one rowing boat. And so we it just is. basically mimicked that boat and made the big Eddie match that one. Oh, and what is the, the Eddie is a traditional style drift boat? It's the traditional style drift boat in a low profile. And a low pro. So that means instead of having the sides being, what, what are, what, what's a normal high sided versus a low pro sided length? So we, we, uh, we've always had three side heights. And so a low profile, it's going to be the 19 inch side height, a standard side, which is, would be the 24 inch side height. And then we have a high side, which is a 30 inch side height. And the whole standard side comes from like the wood boat guys, you know, they would take a sheet of plywood and cut it. And so 24, there's your, there's your standard sided boat. And so some people call those high sides. We've always called them just a standard side 
uh, oh, gotcha. This, uh, yeah, so. that's standard because the typical 30 inch you call your high side, but probably a lot of drift. Lo- I'm just thinking of more of the aluminum boats. My guess is a lot of those are 30 inch, just your st- you know, right. Is that uh, true or no? I would say most of your aluminum boats are going to be probably 24. Oh, still. they are. I would okay. say, yeah, most 24. everything is that. Yeah, the, the difference is that we with the nose is on like the aluminum boats, you know, they had a higher a nose and sometimes depending on how long they made them rocker and that type of thing. On the yeah. Boat. The rocker. And on that rocker, is that, uh, you know, going back to the old traditional like rogue versus McKenzie, are these a full rocker kind of the, I guess the McKenzie style or yeah, McKenzie style boat. They are. Um, but what we've found over time is by flattening the bottom, um, and having a wider boat, you've been able to, you know, uh, shallower draft and, uh, and track straighter, things like that. You know, the original boats were, you're like, say you take the old McKinsey's, you took a 48 sheet inch sheet of plywood and that was your width at the bottom and then two sides, 24, and you built everything off of that. Uh, and so now we run, you know, uh, bottoms that are 56 inches wide to 60 inches, so the bigger footprint on the water, so uh, you know less draft, so you can put more weight in them, handle more gear, that kind of stuff. Yep, that's it. So the, basically, the more surface area, the more, the less your boat sinks in the water, the more you can carry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so the skiffs are well, what's the what is the dimension on the skiff? The width of the bottom. The skiffs are fifty-five, and then they're and they're pretty much flat with just a small rocker at each end. Um, Oh wow! So they're flat. So the whole bottom of the boat is pretty much flat. Yeah. So you can you can like three, two, three inches of water. Uh, they track super straight. Um, so yeah, they they are they're like I said, they're the great boat. But they're definitely if I'm, if I was talking to you know if you were a first time buyer or you know what you were doing, we'd all be talking eddies, right? Yeah, now. we'd be talking eddies because eddies are made for you. You could take an eddy down through class through white water, big white water. Yes, uh, you could get up to a class three if you're a good rower. Uh, they use them like on the green, you know, down below Flaming Gorge and on the Yellowstone. They, you can take it everywhere if you're if you if you've got experience in a drift boat. Yes, yeah, you can do it. And uh, and where is the? So have you heard any crazy places? I look. I mentioned that photo you guys have of the guy. I think he's. I think he's rowing through the breakers in Pacific City. But um, have you ever heard any stories of uh, boats? You know, kind of being in crazy places, flipping any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we see it every year with boats in spots and crazy places, uh, slides. You know, see them when they're running down steep faces. Um, yeah, it's it's just that's just part of the game, you know. Is uh, boats getting sunk and people taking them in places that are unique, yeah, or, or, <laughs> yeah. not, or they don't have the skills to be taking them in those places, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we used to before they changed it, we used to be able to take boats down below what they call Mesa Falls. And we would slide a hard, you know, glass boat all the way down that. So we would do that. And, and there's other places that we slide them off of bridges and down chutes, uh, do a lot of that stuff. The water stuff, the water is water. You know, you have to be, you have to really understand that there's not, there's places they can and can't go. And that's, that's what rafts are for. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rafts still have a good place out, out there, out yes. west, really anywhere, right? Rafts are great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right on. No, this is great. It's cool to hear some of this because I've seen, you see them everywhere. And what what is it? Fear no rock, right? Is that still the slogan? Yeah. The, 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 yeah, yeah. Fear no rock. Yep. Fear no rock. That's, uh, that's our, uh, you know, with our warranty, we 
like I say, it's it's we do a, our boats are a little bit heavier in the in the Chine area because that's typically where all the damage occurs. And so, oh yeah. right, yeah, the Chine being the is the Chine the front part of the boat, the pointy part? No, the Chine is at the sides where you go from the side of the boat to the bottom of the boat. Oh yeah, the side the Chine. Yes, yeah, so that's where you're ramming rocks and banks and stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. a that's a durable. And what does that look like if somebody was to buy? Uh, well, let's talk about that because boats, I feel like boats have gone up a lot in cost over the, I mean, all boats, really everything. I mean, look at trucks, yeah. right? Everything's so more expensive. Yeah, everything. Yeah. I, re- I remember when boats used to be kind of in the, you know, under $10,000, right? Or seven, you could get a brand new yeah. boat for 7000 Seems like most boats are a lot more expensive now. Is there, what, what's a what's a price? Just, I know you guys have a huge amount of a line, but let's say one of those yeah. skiffs. Uh, so basically, if you're looking at new boats, you're looking at around fourteen thousand yeah. dollars for a new boat. But that's a trailer, oars, packaged up, everything ready to go fishing. Yeah, pretty loaded. Um, and and everybody's in that price range. And the prices have gone up. What's what we've noticed? Obviously, people forget that this is a petroleum-based product. You sell. You still have to when gas prices are higher. And then what we're also seeing that is you know supply and demand obviously has always changed. And so. Uh, it's been very interesting, yeah, to see the changes for us. Because when I, you know, went to work here, boats were a lot less. Yeah, they were. Well, they were. I mean, my guess is, uh, see, twenty years ago, I would say boats were. I mean, maybe not, maybe half the cost, maybe not half the cost, but quite a bit less, right? Under ten thousand. Yeah, like eight grand probably for a new package. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just part of the the world we're living in with everything. But yeah. It's still not a bad deal if you think about it, you know, especially when you compare it to if you're to buy a buy a truck, you know, what yeah. you want to pay for that. So Yeah, it's it's an interesting business because you, you know, for fishing wise you don't need a drift boat to go fishing, but they obviously and make it so you can cover a lot of different places. And so uh uh, and then obviously for us, uh, we're, we do a lot of guide business and for them, it's a job, you know, they got to have the, the boat to work. So, yeah, that's cool for you guys. I mean, that's probably, I'm sure a great yeah. thing with the business, the fact that you have so many guides that, yeah, guides, they're going to buy their boats because they have to. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're lucky we have, we have great guides that work for us. And get yeah. Talk, talk about a few of those. We, we mentioned Schultz. So I know Schultz is a, is a big player out in the Michigan area. Who, who else are some of the big name people that are running Clacka boats? Uh, so, you know, Patrick Folkrod, it would be able to kind of work, stay out that way. He's, uh, uh, does, uh, uh, clacks and, uh, he's an incredible, like an Orvis guy of the year. I think he had Jake Volcock. I saw there, they may have Jake Volcock. Huh? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Jake, Jake's runs one of mine. He's a skiff guy. Uh, oh, Jake, nice. I, Jake. Yeah. He, he's a big skiff guy. And so those guys out there, there's, I'm sure there's more I'm missing. Uh, and then we have, you know, this, we have a gentleman, Dave Brown, uh, he's uh-huh. been with us forever. Tim Linehan has been oh, with yeah, us. Yeah. Tim's Tim. awesome. Yeah, Tim's one of the best. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously Kelly Gallup's been with oh, us. Oh right, Mike Kelly. Loss. Kelly's on here, right? Yep, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I was just and, looking at episodes. I was just looking at our downloads because I've been trying to uh, like everything every year. Try end of the year, you know, you're thinking, okay, how do we do better next year? And, I, and all his episodes are still the most listened to and the most re-listened to. You know, his episodes yeah. get like, I mean, people listen to those over and over again because it's just, yeah, yeah. he's got this thing. <laughs> do you, do you know Kelly a little bit? Uh, yeah, Kelly and I get to fish quite a bit together. Oh, you do? We've had some, yeah, we've had some great times and, uh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he, uh, uh, yeah, Kelly's awesome. We get, uh, we fish together. In fact, he, uh, 
we always, I don't know, my wife loves him. She loves getting to see him and hang out and tease him and have a good yeah, time with him. And that's right. My son, my son's gone fishing with him and did it actually when my son was like 10 years old, they used to did it like a, call it spay kid. You can still find it on, uh, on YouTube. And he did a thing with Kelly. We fished for three days for steelhead. Yeah. Oh, and it's called, yeah. what's it called? Spay kid? Yeah. Spay kid. <laughs> Oh, good. So yeah. this is a video we can find on YouTube. Oh, uh, you go find it on YouTube. You'll laugh. It's pretty oh, good. good. Spake it. So, uh, I'll put a I'll put a link yeah. in the show notes to that so we can all take a look at it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So and Kelly was he was when he was working with Gene Herring and they they oh yeah a bunch of stuff you know yeah Gene's been yeah. on yeah yeah Gene was their producer of his the TV show so we we uh, we talked to Gene a while back too this is great. No, it feels like I'm circling. I'm uh, kind of uh, circling back around a lot of this because. Uh, you know, you're just in that one of those Mecca, you know, one of those areas that's just, there's a ton going on, you know, because if you've got Montana, yeah. you got all the states, all, pretty much all the Western states are surrounding Idaho kind of, right? That's, is that how yep. it feels where yeah. you're at? Yeah. You know, and I mean, I didn't mention, like I say, we've had Idaho, you know, there's the Deschutes. We've got lots of boats over on that. And then Washington, the Yakima, Joe Roder, those guys. Yep, yeah. Joe, right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Nice. So, and, uh, and what is your, you know, just on your daily, like your job, I don't even know if you really, what your title is, but I mean, what does that look, take us into your daily weekly other than being on the river when you can, I'm sure getting out and doing that <laughs> stuff. What else do you do? Yeah. Uh, so basically like when I show up here in the mornings, it's a, it's a paperwork and then I try to knock out emails and then just, you know, from there, it's just answering phones or a big customer service. We take care of a lot of customer service, a lot of calls, uh, a lot of calls with, you know, old boats. Yeah. And what are the common, what's the common call you get every, like every week you're like, okay, I'm going to get this common thing. What, what, what are those calls? Probably the, for us, if it's not sales related, it's going to be parts related. Like somebody has purchased a boat um, and they need to get parts for it, uh, you know, or, and they don't know the boat models. And so we, you know, we spend a lot of time on the phone trying to help them out and make sure they understand what they're after and get the right part. Cause that's really cool. So. Uh, you know, what's great about that is that the service piece is obviously huge in business. And I remember yeah. my first boat was a boat I bought from somebody used boat. It was really not that great of a drift boat, but, um, it was my first boat. And I remember how good it felt to get this old used boat that was mine, yeah. you know, it was that first boat. And so, but then once you get in the door, I'm sure, especially these older clackacrafts, I'm sure guys are like, oh man, once they use it, they probably end up buying a new one. Do you, do you find that a lot that yeah. people start? Yeah, it, it, it is. You got to take care of them because you just never know if they're going to come back or not. And the other thing is, is that it's, you know, it's a boat we stand behind it. So, you know, we try to help them. There's times you can't, and there's times that sometimes, you know, you take a, we kind of say, oh, like, you know, it's like if you had a 1984, you don't call for it and hope to put, you know, brand new engines and everything in it. It's because they'll want to put like new rod storage in. It's like oh, we have right. solutions for that, but it's yeah. not, you know, you can't do it here. So, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. And all this stuff isn't cheap to uh, upgrade yeah. and do all that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. But then, then from there, if I'm not on the water fishing, I'm either, um, you know, hunting. I do a lot of big game and bird hunting and just, hiking and being outdoors so i'm pretty lucky that my wife loves to go um my son he's he's graduated in college he has a full-time job so which just her and i most of the time and we're always doing something uh, i think we have a hundred we're, we're at 111 days this year outdoors no way so 
Yeah. So between, so hunting, fishing, like if you had to choose, you know, I don't want to force you to do this, but between hunting and fishing, are you, you can only pick one, which one is it going to be? Well, it's, it's, it, well, here's the beautiful thing about it is you can fish year round. So you only get a hunt a certain amount of time. Oh, right. Yeah. And so typically from September 1st until basically next week, it's hunting time. Um, I do, I do steelhead fish. Uh, I'll, I'll slide a few steelhead trips in. And when my son was young, that's all we did was steelhead. But now, now that he's graduated, has his own life, so to speak, with his family, uh, we, I spend more time hunting probably and hiking and doing things like that in the fall. And then we'll still get 60 plus days on the water. So Yeah, still yeah. doing it. This is cool. Yeah. And you mentioned, I think, uh, off air, the fly tying, signature flies. Talk about that a little bit. Are you, what are you tying and what's your, what's your specialty? Uh, so I have a few have flies with a couple of different companies. Um, you know, it's evolving back a long time ago again when I was tying stuff. Uh, it was, uh, you know, we were foam. I was lucky to be one of the end of the foam, first part of the foam stuff. And then, uh, so, you know, if like, if you go into fly shops and you'll see fly patterns called the CFO stuff. So like, uh, it's the, it's the CFO flies or they may say Stenerson CFO and the CFO was just, was my nickname for Jimmy's sort of the chief feather officer. So. Oh, right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's kind of how that pattern name came about. So it's like, uh, you know, shops will carry them and I have ants like small terrestrial stuff. That's probably my my stuff that i do and uh, you know things like that that are i like to fish uh, still water so you know a lot of uh ants patterns people don't think to fish ants on still waters but stuff like that yeah. oh that's good yeah yeah is the cfo ant one of yours yes the cfo ant stuff if you you'll see that around gotcha uh, yeah it's a foam yeah. and that's i do yep i do some with solitude and then uh, uh jd flies it's a uh, marty downey with him so yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. You got a bunch. I see them on a CFO. Yeah. The mini ant, the Chernobyl. Um, yeah. <laughs> lots of good stuff. Golden stone. Cool. Yeah. I tie, I, I tie pretty much. I get up every morning and, uh, have a cup of coffee and, uh, then I try to tie a little bit and, uh, I still have some, you know, people that I tie for and then obviously for family and friends and right. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So you're tie- what do you tie? You sit down, you tie, uh, how many, like a dozen flies or tie more than that? In a session, I try to tie a dozen, a dozen a morning. Yeah, one dozen a morning. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's, that, yeah. that's like that one thing where if you do that, yeah, you've probably been doing that. My guess for twenty years, have you been doing that? Yeah, a, long? <laughs> a long time. Yes. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. The amount, like, yeah, the amount of flies. It's, all my buddies, um, you know, they they all chip in and throw cash into the kitty, and they all get flies. And so a friend of mine's come out. Uh, then they come a fishing, you know. That they've never had that really they get by flies but i take good care of all my fishing partners so yeah right on that's that's, that's awesome nice so you got the fly tying you got hunting i mean it sounds like you got a pretty uh a full year and then you, you get out and do a little bit of working with the boats which is part of the part of the game yeah. anyway so um it sounds like you're, yeah. you never really get tired what, what are you you know as far as when you're when's your break time throughout the whole year do you have a time where you sit back and maybe go take a vacation do something different then or is it always kind of outdoors all the time it's pre- it's pretty much pretty much outdoors. We'll do a little bit of uh, you know here and there. Uh, so um, most of the stuff we do is going to be outdoors, just because that's kind of my wife likes to be outdoors. I like to be outdoors. We do a little bit of traveling. Um, like if we do a spring break, it's going to be uh, 
to like Utah, St. George, and then it's more hiking and biking, that kind of stuff. And more hiking. I'm not, I'm not a big biker, but more hiking. <laughs> and then um, that's always like the outdoor stuff is what we like to do. And so, and then, you know, our summer vacations are for 20 some or probably about almost 25 years now. We go to Georgetown for a full week, Georgetown Lake in Montana, spay a week there. We can on the Beaverhead with some real close friends that come over at, um, he's, he's a college football coach. One of my best friends is a college football coach. So he gets just a short time off. And so we always spend a week with him on the Beaverhead in that area. Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. Nice. Well, um, you know, I think there's probably a few things that, um, you know, we didn't cover on the clack of craft, but um, you know, maybe we can check back with you later. Um, I want to take it yeah. out of here uh, real quick with a couple of segments we're going to do, and then we can kind of, we've got a couple of random questions for you, then we'll head out of here. But um, I want to do a quick winner shout out. So we're doing this trip. We're actually doing a, a giveaway with, uh, with Schultz, like I said. So we're going to be doing this mm-hmm. here in a couple months, but, um, but Michael Hawley won one of the last trips we did. This was like our trout school and, uh, and he won a, uh, this is our bonus, uh, bonus thing. He won a pair of Bahio sunglasses on that, on that event. But I'm curious with you, as we kind of get into this, a little bit of the random section, first, let's just start there with sunglasses. What, what are your go-to glasses? We've talked to Acosta, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of companies out there. They're great. Do you, what's your go-to brand? Are you more of like, yeah. I wear this, uh, the uh, action, Smith Optics. I, I was just going to say Smith. Yeah, I was going to say Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have, they do the uh, yellow lens, and that's what I wear. Um, and then I'm old now, so I have to put bifocals in them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so do you put bifocals actually, do they, like paste something onto them, or do you get them? Yeah. Made? They make, no, they make these now that are like a little half moon that you right. can stick inside of your glasses, and they're the best. Oh, and they're in so- your glasses. Okay, and now tell me about this because there's a lot of people that are going to be liking this. So, do, is this something you can just buy from whatever store? Or do you have to go to your yeah. optometrist? Yeah, they, they used to. No, nope. Jimmy's had them in his shop. Um, I, they're just a half, like I said, a half moon, and they'll set in the bottom of your sunglasses. And like I wear, so I wear my contacts so I can see distance, and then I have those for when I'm tying on flies. And, and they'll go in any sunglass. I just wear the. The, the yellow lens that's my fishing glasses for yeah everything. that's a perfect little tip nice and then my guess is something like that costs you what like 20 bucks or something to get the little half yeah money. i don't yeah they're not much there at all yeah and they do perfect. them in all you know the 1.5 and up. so that's an awesome tip good so we got so we got that that'll be something definitely i think a lot of people you know uh, will get some use out of and uh and we're gonna hit uh, a couple more of the takeaways in a little bit but let's talk about uh where you are so we're, we've been doing this segment called traveled kind of in that part of the area what's idaho falls you know you're out fishing at the end of the day you come back where, where's a good place to eat dinner is there anything good some good food out you'd mention yeah so like if you're if you're you know in idaho falls uh depending on what you're after there's kind of like for us our go-to is a little mexican restaurant called pachangas which is downtown idaho falls and then if we're, uh, our sandwich hamburger place is basically across the street at the snake bite. Oh, the snake bite. Okay, good. And I think I've heard of uh, Pangas uh, before, so that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, and then what else What else is around town? What's in Idaho Falls? What are people doing if they're not fish, if they're just during the kind of the nightlife? What are people, what, what, what is something fun to do there? There's obviously we have the green belt. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people come in that are staying the night and they'll do a walks around that. And what is the green belt? 
it's just basically it's a walking path all the way around the Snake River in town. Oh, nice. And you can walk it at all times of night. It's lit up. Oh, uh, cool. It's really cool, especially in the summertime. It's really cool. We'll right. go down and do walks just to, and then obviously they have like ice cream vendors and all those kind of things down oh, there. Yeah. So. Now, is this the snake? Now, here at Idaho Falls, is this actually the snake or is this the, the Henry's Fork? Nope. So the it's the snake. The Henry's Fork and the South Fork come together. And the North Fork and the South Fork, we call it the Henry's Fork. Um, they come together up at Manan Butte. So it's about, it's probably 15, 20 miles up river. So North. And then, so the main snake flows through town and surprisingly, the main snake has some really, really, really good fishing around close to Idaho Falls and in town in this area. So oh, there you go. So you got the main snake. Awesome. And, uh, and we'll keep a couple more random ones going. What, what's your, um, you talked about hockey and your kid being into some of those sports. What, what was your sport? If you were going to be going pro, what, what sport would it have been? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so I played football all through high school and in college. And so, uh, uh-huh. oh, you did in college. Yeah. 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 So what, that what position? Been, I was a free safety. Oh, free safety. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Free yeah. safety, which is a, which is a, uh, what, what do you, what are the skills you need as a free safety? What's the main thing you got to be like fast, uh, quick well, or fast? Yeah. I was luckily I'm tall and fast. So yeah. Back then. Now I'm just slow. No, not as much. <laughs> not as much. Good. Okay. But yeah. So, yeah. Fo- so football. So you got that going and you guys are in, uh, what's, uh, the closest, what's your football? Uh, you got some good college sports. Is, is Boise state? That's a little ways away from you, right? Yeah. Boise state is, uh, the other know, side. Idaho It's probably, yeah. You know, there's, um, Idaho state and then oh, there's yeah, Boise the state and Idaho and the Vandals and it's Idaho Vandals. Yeah. So oh, Idaho Vandals those are right. all, yeah. And then from there, uh, you know, my, I, I'm a college football. It's my favorite thing, but to be honest with you, I don't have a favorite team because it's wherever my best friend's coaching at the time. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah your best, where's your so, best friend coaching now? He's at Oregon. Luckily, oh, he's he, a duck. So. Oh, he's a duck. So he's the, the head yeah. football coach for Oregon? No, he's the uh, special teams coordinator and Nichols coach. His, uh, Joe Lorg is his name. And so, yeah, oh, cool. I'm pretty lucky. So yeah, we get it, awesome. we go down and watch the game. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I just saw there was a, I was just kind of watching. I can't remember. I think it was at the gym or something, but the, um, somebody from, I think West Lynn, one of the high schools here in Oregon was, um, I think he was a safety. I think he's uh, in Oregon. I think just picked him up. Was it a safety? I might be wrong. Uh, it, it, no, I think so. Yeah. Was, yeah. They yeah. Just got, yep. yeah. They got the kicker. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. That's what it was. Joe would have been the guy that recruited him. Yep. Oh, and he's the guy. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oregon's, yeah. I mean, I just, again, I don't keep up much either with this, but I mean, they've gone from, uh, I mean, aren't they good? Like really good again? They're ranking yeah. the top. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'll be. Yeah, they're they're doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. So Oregon is always. Where does how is that happening? Because it seems like Oregon. If you go back, I guess Oregon's always been pretty good in football, right? Over the last they've been good. Years. Yeah. 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 They've, yeah. They've always been good. But like he's been all over. So I've. It's interesting. So when in, 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 depending on where he goes, and he was at Penn State, he's been all over. But anyways, that's a whole other subject. So. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Good. Okay. Well, we got one last one. Uh, and, uh, and this is the takeaway. We, I just want to have okay. like a, a few takeaways. We talked about this off air a little bit, but you know, as far as boats, right, you don't have to have a boat. You can walk in and wade in a lot, but, but give us your, your three takeaways. Why, you know, getting a boat, it doesn't have to be a clack of craft, but just a boat is going to change the game for you. Yeah. Like, you know, we always, like I mentioned before, when I, I could, a long time ago, I was told, you know, that, to go fly fishing takes a lot of effort when I worked in a fly shop. And so you don't need a drift boat necessarily or a raft or anything to go fishing. 
But what boats allow you to do is one is for me, it was always allowed me to take my whole family fishing. And so I could load up everybody and go fishing in the past. It would be if I was wade fishing, then my, you know, everybody couldn't be together. So probably, you know, family would be obviously the number one. If you liked taking your family, getting out with your family, taking my dad when he got older fishing, I could put him in right. a boat, those type of things. Yeah, that's um, huge. You know, um, for us, like we're on the South Fork, it's a big river. It's hard to access it. So it allows you access, uh, obviously, in Wyoming and Colorado and some of those places where you can't wade fish, but you can float. Um, boats are going to offer you an opportunity to fish more water. Uh, and, you know, even in Montana, there's a lot of private water. And when the rivers are up, or private property, and when the rivers are higher, you can't access, access them. So it just allows you to have more access. Um, and then obviously, probably the other thing is for us, the boat is obviously, we talked about as being a tool for guides. It's, you know, to you, you put, you know, they, they work every day out of them and that kind of stuff. So Yeah. If you're a guide, yeah, that's your, uh, that's one of the tools you kind of have to have in, in a lot of places. You got to yeah. have a drift boat or some, some type yeah. of boat. Some sort of a boat. Yeah. And then again, like the family thing for me is probably the biggest, just being able to, to keep everybody in the boat and go fishing and, and enjoy an afternoon or an evening. Um, you know, we fish, we fish uh, on Wednesdays, go try to go fishing Wednesdays and, you know, date night, stuff like yeah. that. So nice, yeah. nice, good stuff. Right on. And are you guys uh, going to be, you got show season coming up. Is that something that you get out or is, are you guys getting out around any of the shows now or is that something you're not doing as much? No, we were, we've got back into the shows a little bit this year. We'll be down at the Denver fly fishing show. Um, and then we'll do a couple of others. We do some stuff, quite a bit of stuff out of the Oregon, Washington office, do a lot more shows than us. Uh, we'll do the, you know, the Ferminsky show down there. Then we'll do the one in Washington and then we do, some of the others try to, you know, do, we do a big, there's a big fly fishing show here in Idaho Falls every year that we participate in and help with and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, perfect. Well, and leave us with, you know, we talked features a little bit, but again, when somebody comes and they're talking to you about a boat and they're like, oh, you know, I'm thinking I want to buy, you know, there's so many boats out there. There's tons. I mean, there's like, you name it, all these different boats. Yep. What do you tell somebody when you try to make the, let them know why Clacka kind of stands out? What, what, what do you tell that person? Uh, most of the time what we try to sell on is well, what we sell on is the durability, obviously, um, of our boats, um, where you're going to be using the boat. So like, you know, if somebody's coming in uh, to buy a boat, we find that they've done quite a bit of research. They've already looked at, you know, rivers and waters. Um, it's changed. I mean, we used to be, you went to a show, you sold a boat at the show. Now they are so much information out there. And so basically it really comes down to features you're looking for, what water you're going to be on. Um, our job here is to make sure you understand, you know, the accessories and the options and why and what and where, but you know, if, like if, if you're going, if you're going to buy any boat, doesn't matter any boat, make sure that, you know, you do your research. And then I always like to like put it back on the customer a little bit, like, okay, go to your river and see what boats are on it and talk to those guys and visit with why they're running this boat or that boat or what they would do. Um, if you have that time and opportunity and a lot of people have fishing guides that they've gone with. And so re you know, refer to somebody like that. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. And I've heard that before too. The fact that, I mean, your guides are probably not even meaning to, but selling your boats just because they've, their clients are in the boats, right? They're seeing the boat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's part of it. No, that's a good point. So yeah, do your research and figure out what accessories you want and, and to figure out like, would they just, if they want to know with you, do they just call you? Or can they go online and yeah. see all the accessories? 
you can call. Um, typically, we like to we have uh, you know information we can email you. We like to work with a phone call, get information, email, send you out the information, send you pictures, different options. You know, and more or less is like again, like if you were asking me, okay, I'm going to be fishing this river. I'm going to try to sell you the boat that's going to be for that river. You know, I don't want to. That's the whole point is to get you with the exact boat you want for that piece of water, and that's key. That's really key. That is key. Yeah. So figure out with one and give you a call. And I think your email, uh, John at clackacraft.com is a good place. People can reach out to you. Yep. That or sales at clackacraft.com too. If they don't want to go directly to me, they can just go to sales at clackacraft.com. All right, John. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up. Um, appreciate your time today and, and filling us in on a little bit of the history. I, I'm hopeful that maybe uh, I'll, I'll check in with Bruce. I talked to him once and maybe we can hear more of the, the founder story from him if we can get him yeah. on down the line. But yeah, I, I appreciate all your time today. Thanks, thanks for all the info. You bet. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. That's a wrap on Traveled, part of the Wet Fly Swing podcast and Swing Outdoors. This podcast was supported by Eastern Idaho's Yellowstone Teton Territory. You can support this podcast and Eastern Idaho by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash Teton right now. And you can let any of the brands know that you found them through this podcast and click in there and check out all the great brands. We've had a number of them on this podcast and, uh, and we would love you to find out all the good stuff they have going. You can also check in with me anytime, Dave at wetflyswing.com if you have any questions or feedback or have an idea of where we should be traveling to next. And one big reminder before we get out of here, the Stillwater School is going right now. If you go to wetflyswing.com slash stillwaterschool, you can find out if we have any slots available for the big trip out to this part of eastern Idaho. Phil Roy is going to be our guru. He's going to be breaking out the Stillwater magic. And if you wanted to up your game this year, this is your best chance right now. You can check in there or send me an email, like I said, dave at wetflyswing.com. And as we roll out of here, I just want to thank you for taking the time today to check out the Traveled Podcast, and I appreciate you for your support and all the listens here, and I hope you have a chance to experience that road less traveled.